Hi everyone, welcome to the Story of Hope podcast where we are sharing the story of how Bible translation impacts and brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Esther and I am the front person of the Esther Melody Band and Eversmith and I am a part of Bible translation through being the Next Generation Ambassador with Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand and this is my friend Alex. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Alex. I currently work at Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand in Auckland. Um, and I am, I've got two roles. I'm the director's assistant and the communications coordinator. So a lot of what I do is sort of find the best ways to reach people with our mission about Bible translation and sharing our vision for it. Yes. Awesome. So we were super excited to be starting this podcast and doing it together. We're actually going to be getting to know each other better through the podcast. Yeah. So what you're seeing going on right now is us getting to know each other, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be having guests on this podcast. We're going to have questions and answers. Uh, what else are we going to be doing, Alex? Um, we are going to be sort of talking about why Bible translation is relevant, um, how the Bible impacts lives, and just, yeah, sharing a little bit about why we think it's so important. Yeah. So we're super excited to bring you a fresh look into the Bible translation world, how it's relevant to all of our lives, not just those on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And we're really praying and hoping that it'll be a great tool, it'll be a great mode of entertainment to hopefully uplift your day and that it will help propel the Bible translation mission forward. So mm. yay, welcome. Well, today we're going to share a little bit about ourselves, how we became involved with Bible translation and why we're so passionate about it. So hopefully you'll enjoy hearing our stories. Uh, why don't we start with you, Alex? With me, yes. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up as a missionary kid, so I guess I sort of always knew Bible translation existed because I was just in that missions community. Um, but my parents didn't do Bible translation. Um, and so, yeah, I never, growing up, I never really thought like, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. But it wasn't until I moved back to New Zealand and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study. Um, and I just kind of was looking at courses and I was like oh linguistics that sounds cool I've always kind of thought languages were cool um and we were at this bible study with, I was with my mum and she was just sharing with them about the work that they do in the Philippines um and when people were asking me what I was doing now that I finished high school and I just kind of listed off these courses I was kind of interested in and when someone heard linguistics they were like oh you could do bible translation and that was the first time it ever like clicked in my head that the two were connected and I was like, oh, and so I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind, like hmm, maybe God wants me to do Bible translation, but I never really acted on it. But um, so I think I just took a like an elective linguistics paper. It wasn't even my major when I first started studying, but it obviously like that thought kind of stayed in the back of my mind and I ended up switching my major. And I it was actually funny. I was looking back yesterday at some messages. I was sending someone back in my first year of university and I was saying why I was changing my major. And I was saying, I feel like, I'm really excited about this, that um, God could like lead me into Bible translation. Um, and I didn't realize that I had had that moment when I switched to it, but um, yeah, it just kind of stayed at the back of my mind. And then when I finished study, I inquired with Wycliffe. Um, and at first I asked about joining them and actually doing what would it take for me to go into translation work. Um, but as I was praying about it, it sort of felt that um, 
now wasn't the right time for me to go into the mission field um, and I just needed some work experience. But then they ended up coming back to me a few months later saying, actually, we've got um, work here at the office if you wanted to work here. And so I took it and I've just been loving. I've only been here for about just under two months now, um, but just loving figuring out more about what they're about and how they work here and just helping them really share their heart and mission with others. Awesome. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about what life was like as a missionary kid and what Mm -hmm. your family were involved in particularly? Yeah. Um, So my parents were both teachers at um, a school for missionary kids in the Philippines. Um, And so the way that school kind of works is um, none of the staff teachers get paid so that tuition is sort of cheap enough for missionary kids. Um, And the reason there's such a need for that is because a lot of times missionary families who are out in the field if they have kids, um, they'll be homeschooling them and they sort of get to like high school age and it's kind of harder to keep homeschooling them. So mission families end up having to leave the field. Um, And so that school kind of exists there so that missionaries can keep doing their work um, while knowing that their kids are getting good education um, nearby to them. Um, And so both my parents were teachers and just, yeah, poured their life into that school and just um, the lives of those missionary kids. Um, And the, the missions community that we were sort of in was just, really cool um, just because everyone's living off of faith um, and it's actually quite funny my school was called Faith Academy um, and now I understand more and more why it was called that because everyone there is just um, there because God's called them to and even though there's a lot of uncertainty about it it's just there's an assurance in their faith in God which is really cool. What yeah. a cool experience, such mm. a cool experience. I feel as though in our culture these days, it's easier and easier to live without faith, especially, mm. you know, or more, or more rather faith in yourself rather than mm. in God. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be a part of a community where everything thrives on faith. That would be so mm. amazing and different and cool. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love that so like I didn't, Yeah, I didn't realise at the time that it was anything different or special until I moved yeah. back to New Zealand and wasn't in that environment I was like wow yeah. I think we were yeah. talking the other day as we were preparing for this about differences between uh, the countries that we've been in because I grew up in New Zealand and am now in the US in Nashville mm-hmm. and one of the things that's wild about Nashville is that they have a lot of cultural Christianity here where families for generations have gone to church and so people kind of that's just life mm-hmm. and you know you can get the right jobs if you go to the right church and you can and have all of these things yeah. and I had never been in an environment before I moved here where it was normal to go to a coffee shop and see people pray for their food or to do Bible studies in a coffee shop. Like we kind of did that in our little community where I was from, like sometimes, but most of the time we, you know, we did Bible studies at homes because it was just Mm -hmm. not normal to just go to a coffee shop and rip out your Bible. Um, (laughs) And so being in that environment has been so challenging and eye-opening and interesting for me as well as to how we do life and what's normal Mm. and all of that sort of thing and how culture impacts everything. So yeah, Yeah, I I love that about your story. That's really cool. And since your parents were teachers, uh, Mm. do you have any inclination towards teaching? It's so funny. The amount of times I've got that question is so yeah. funny. Um, no, I never did. And I I don't know, maybe that's because I saw so much into the nitty gritty of the teaching world, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like I could be a teacher, but I don't feel like that's what God's calling me to do. Right. Great answer. Yeah. I yeah. never really thought I 
could teach, I thought that I was too impatient. And I, <laughs> I thought as well, I, I just didn't really have interest in it and felt that mm-hmm. I was better equipped to different things. But I've found as I have got more and more into ministry and my heart for people has grown that I think as my heart heart has grown in that way my heart for teaching has grown because my mm. I I want everyone to be able to thrive and I, yeah. I feel like teaching is a really important part of that but oh, yeah. I know that it's not predominantly my calling either so I, I kind of have the same yeah. thing where I'm like okay I know I can and I yeah. do enjoy it when I get to I mean discipleship is one of my favorite things in the world yeah. getting to see people grow and be part of helping them to thrive is so awesome yeah. but yeah, teaching, super, super interesting. <laughs> I, mm. I praise the people that have that job <laughs> this world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your parents are amazing that they gave their lives to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super cool. Uh, awesome. Well, for, on my side, my story. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a family that cultivated quite a strong love for the Word of God. We did, from very, very young, we did pretty intense Bible studies and uh, we we had family prayer times and worship times and we read the Bible together every day. We read a proverb and five Psalms and later on we added in um, a chapter of the Gospels as well. And it was such a cool family tradition. And as part of that time each day that we shared together, we also prayed for five nations every week. And so so, um, while we were developing a hunger for the word, we were also developing a heart for the nations. And we would put together little pieces of information about each of the nations that we were praying for each week and understand um, a bit more about who and what we were praying for. So it wasn't just, you know, some random spot on this globe, but it was Mm -hmm. these people And so I really appreciated and developed a heart for the nations through that. We learned so many different things about different nations. But I also grew up in an area of New Zealand that's only 5% white. And so while New Zealand is a very white nation, um, my immediate cultural sphere and where I grew up and went to school was only 5% white. And I went to a bilingual school. So... um, we, we spoke Māori and English at the school and most of my friends were Polynesian or some sort of um, people group from Asia or anywhere around the world pretty much. And so I grew up very multicultural and actually was devastated at the age of seven when a teacher asked me, she was like, Esther, what nationality are you? And I was like, Miss, I'm Samoan. She was like... No, you're not. And I was absolutely <laughs> destroyed, like so oh. destroyed <laughs> when I found out that I wasn't actually someone, which I probably should have known. But <laughs> but I was I was really sad. And so I loved all of the different cultural expression that I got to grow up in. And I think with growing up in that and then how my family prayed for the nations was where my heart for the nations developed. And then when I was five years old, Uh, I was at a concert and I'm a musician and at that time I was having 
a power struggle with my parents about practicing music. They had seen talent on my life and so I'd put me in lessons. And I loved lessons and I loved music but I didn't want to do the work. And so they'd been saying to me and encouraging me in so many different ways of like what would happen if I could just be disciplined. And then we went to this concert with some of the best musicians in New Zealand and I sat there in awe the entire time, five-year-old me, just like, oh, whoa. Mm. And at the end of it, I think I, I I remember the concert still and I I just remember feeling like wow I feel like that was what I was made to do but wow. I don't know how I can do that and then mm. that night I had this dream and God spoke to me and told me that he wanted to make music to bless people all around the world and so mm. um I woke up crying and my expression of that as a five-year-old of what God had said to me was my dad came running and he's like hey Esther what's wrong what's wrong and I'm like I want to play the piano <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so yeah I realized at that moment and from that time that God was calling me not just to my sphere and not just to my little world, but to go and do something for the world. And even though I was only five, I knew very like certainly that God had called me to the nations. And so that put a little seed in my heart so that about 10 years later, when I started pursuing music as what I was going to do with my life, um, we were thinking the entire time, okay, well, how, how are we going to get out and make this bigger than just what we're doing right here? And how are we going to engage with uh, a multi-generational and multinational scenario with the music that we're doing? And so as we sort of pondered how we might get involved with missions or ministry in some form through the music and or connect with some organization to share the gospel or, or whatever it was that we were going to do. Uh, my dad had actually just done a 40-day fast, a water-only 40-day fast, and one mm -hmm. of the things that he had stir in him was to get in contact with Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand. And so I was like, okay, cool. And he managed to connect with the then director, whose name was Wayne Freeman, and Wayne happened to be coming to Wellington. And so they set up a meeting and they came and sat in our living room and Wayne shared with us the mission of Bible translation. And it was the first time in my lifetime of being in church that I realized that Bible translation was still a needed thing yeah. and that there were people groups that didn't have the word of God. And because of the connection for me of how intrinsic Bible, the Bible was to my life, of yeah. how my family had raised me and I knew how important it was. And for us, the Bible was the bottom line in decision-making and all of these different things. I was like, wow, how can people function <laughs> without mm -hmm. the word in their language? And it set yeah. a flame in my heart. And it's actually super awesome for me that this podcast is called Story of Hope because after meeting with Rob, uh, not Rob, Sorry, he's the now director. After meeting with Rain, Wayne and his wife, uh, I wrote a song called Story of Hope. And it was basically my heart being like, wow, okay, I have been given so much in the fact that I have free access to the Word of God. And mm. I, I have to give my life now to share with people, hey, this is the actual gift that we have in the Word. And 
we yeah. can give that to other people too. So that's yeah. how I got involved. I became the Next Generation Ambassador with Wycliffe Bible Translators, Translators New Zealand yeah. and um, been working with them ever since. And that's like, I think, 11 or 12 years ago. So Yeah, wow. That is so <laughs> yeah. cool. I just really love that um, that you grew up just praying for different nations, you know, every week. Um, I just think that's so important. Like you said, um, like in order to help people, it's like so important to understand them and like where they're from. And, you know, when you were praying for a country, you wanted to learn more about the people and their culture and their language, you know, and not just so it's not just a name on a paper. Yeah. Um, I think that's super important and really cool. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing. So part of what I do to help, um, we do everything that we do music-wise and everything free of charge. And we we want to kind of be like Paul where we self-support, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've done a whole bunch of different jobs. And one of the things that I do is Lyft driving, which is kind of like Uber over here. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to drive people from all over the world now. And the Um, amount of times people have got into my car from an obscure nation and they're used to people knowing nothing about them. And 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 I'm able to genuinely say to them, ah, we pray for your nation. I've I've prayed for your nation every year of my life. Like, and then share some of the things that I've learned about their nation and um, Mm. have them teach me new things that I didn't already know and have them affirm mm. for me what I did know and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. It's such a connector. It's so yeah. incredible. And it's really broken down some barriers where people were kind of skeptical, like, oh, I'm just talking to this random person in the car. And, mm. and then we've had this great experience and it's been life-changing and I've got to pray with so yeah. many people and it's been yeah. so cool. And so I'm really, really grateful for that being a part of my family. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing I love about Bible translation is that it says, like, your language is valuable and, yeah. we, you know, you deserve to have the Bible in your language because I, I think growing up in an international community, I saw how language really holds people's culture and identity. Yeah, And so being able to bring the Bible to them in their language mm-hmm. just kind of shows that, like you said, even they're used to people not knowing about them or not valuing their, you know, their culture and their identity, but it's like, no, it's important and we want you to have the Bible in it. Yeah. yeah, totally. I actually was just this past weekend in South Carolina in Charleston, which was one of the first U.S. colonies. And as we all know, it's been loudly talked about for over the past couple of years, this nation was founded in some ways on slavery. And I had... As a New Zealander where slavery wasn't part of our history, I think I've always seen slavery as this very far off, distant, irrelevant thing. And being in South Carolina and looking at all the historical stuff and seeing physical shackles and seeing these neck, these iron neck chains that they had for slaves, it absolutely shook me to my core. And I had revelation after revelation of like how much of an impact that that must have had on on people for generation after generation after Mm. generation but not just that I remember years ago I went to a concert and one of the people that were sharing they they said these words they said they stole our language And that had had an impact for me at that moment. But as I looked at these shackles sitting in this glass 
container as a memorial to what had happened, basically. I, those words came back to my mind and I was just oh. like, wow, Bible translation is so important because, as you say, it does. It, it highlights the importance to Jesus that mm-hmm. every nation has because that's the Great Commission, right? Go and make yeah. disciples of all nations, <laughs> mm-hmm. teaching them all things. And um, yeah. it highlights the importance of every nation to the church and to Christianity and mm-hmm. to eternity. So I love, I love, I love it all. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, speaking of five nations, we would love to add this as a part of our whole podcast vibe. And so our five nations that we're praying for this week are the nations of Trinidad and Tobago, Tunisia, Turkey, Turkmenistan, and the Turks and Caicos Islands. So we're going to pray really quickly for those. Uh, We're happy to share with anyone links to how you can find information on these nations and the different people groups that are a part of these nations. And we might grow this segment a little bit more as we continue the podcast and yeah. dig into it a bit more. But we'll pray really quick. Would you like to pray, Alex? Yeah, sure. Awesome. All right. Um, dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for this opportunity you've given us, uh, me and Esther, just to um, get to know each other, but also just on this platform where we get to share um, really your heart for the nations and um I just pray today for these five nations um, that Esther has um, listed. I pray for the people there, um, for those who don't know you, that you would um, open doors for people to be able to um, share you and your love and your um, story of hope, Lord. Um, I just pray um, for those that um, may be living in difficult circumstances um, in in oppression or um, in poverty, um, that you would just um, equip your people in your church to be your hands and feet to them, Lord God, um, that people would um, not only come to know you, but know that you come to um, bring life and life abundantly, and they would find that in you, Lord God, um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, our next podcast, we're super excited to announce that we're going to have the current director of Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand, Rob Lovett, with us. We'll be doing a bit of an interview with him. He has so much experience and mm-hmm. Alex gets to work with him on a daily or weekly basis, rather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've met him a couple of times and he's such a rad dude as well. Above mm-hmm. everything that he does, he's still really cool, which I think is a pretty cool thing because sometimes you yeah. meet these leaders of of companies and they're kind of really intense and rough and hard (laughs) and stuff but he's such a rad guy so yeah we're excited to have him and it'll be awesome I think we're going to be sharing a podcast every month so stay tuned uh one of the ways that you can support this is to like and comment and share and subscribe so make sure you do that um that way you'll get alerts and we'll be stoked to have you with us next time See you guys. See ya.